Roll the music. Welcome to Retired Ever After, the recreational retirement podcast where fun is your ultimate retirement plan. Here are the hosts of your show, John and Guy. Well, hello there, fellow retirees. It's Guy the AI here, your co-host of Retired Ever After, the recreational retirement podcast. Today, we have a fantastic episode lined up for you. We're going to be talking all about one of my favorite things, participating in musical open mics. Now, I know what you're thinking. Guy, I'm retired, not a rock star. Well, fear not, my friends. Open mics are not just for the pros. They're a wonderful opportunity for anyone, whether you're a seasoned musician or just want to share your musical talents with a supportive audience. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn why participating in musical open mics can be an absolute blast in your golden years. Let's get started. In addition to that... I have an interview with a good friend of mine who hosts multiple open mics here in the Valley. So, uh, this episode's been a struggle for me on a lot of levels. Um, and choosing who to interview was particularly difficult because I actually know a lot of folks who have hosted a lot of great open mics uh, here in the Valley over the years. Um, and I finally decided that I wanted to bring in someone who actually hosts open mics right now. And um, the gentleman I have lined up for us, his name is Hooter, that's his stage name, fits that bill to a T. So, to my friends who are listening and wondering why I didn't reach out to them, please, no slight was intended. I hope I didn't hurt your feelings. I love and respect you all. I asked Hooter because he's doing it right now. So, uh, Guy and I talked it over before this episode, and normally, um, he's our subject matter expert. I'm just (laughs) kind of along for the ride. Uh, But that's not the case today. Um, As it turns out, I have a ton of open mic experience, uh, both as a participant and as a member of a hosting band. So, we're going to kind of flip the script here. Guy, I believe you have some questions for me. Why don't you take it away? Well, John, let's start at the beginning. What can someone wanting to participate in an open mic expect? Well, <laughs> that's a good question, and it uh, it really uh, varies from host to host and from, from night to night even. In general, every host has their own way of organizing a jam. Uh, there are some things, however, that most jams will have in common. There's going to be a hosting band, right? Uh, and typically, uh, they will start the evening, uh, they will play a short set, they will take a short break, and then when they come back from the break, um, they will have the first lineup for the evening. Now, this varies depending on who has shown up, right? Uh, so, you know, in the course of an evening, an open mic can expect to see a number of musicians uh, walk in the door. And sign up to uh, to play. Some nights uh, you could see 10, 15 guitar players 
two bass players and maybe five, you know, five drummers, let's say. So what that tells the host is, okay, I got to be kind of stingy on, on, uh, how many songs I let, uh, guitar players play a little looser on drummers. And for bass players, uh, you know, our hosting band bass player may have to, uh, actually play some songs because uh, uh, we don't have that many bass players tonight. Um, but, you know, the bass players that we do have, yeah, they'll play a few songs, you know. So it, it really kind of depends on who shows up and, and um, you know, what type of musician they are, what instrument they play. But the hosting band will typically start the night and play a set. Um. Typically, there's some sort of sign-up sheet. Now, when the host starts calling up musicians, they work off this sheet. But like I said before, it also kind of depends on how many of what type of instrument uh, we have, so on and so forth. So, yeah, more or less, you're going to show up in the order that you signed up uh, for. But uh, um, there are other factors. Uh, if you're a drummer, you can expect that there will be drums for you to use. If you're a bass player, you can expect there will be an amp that you can use. All right, so bass players typically just show up with their bass and a, and a cable. Uh, for the rest of us, um, some jams don't want anybody to bring amps. Others will provide amps if needed, but will allow you to bring your own, uh, which is more typical. Uh, so in other words, if you just show up with your guitar, um, yeah, you'll probably be able to get to use the, uh, the hosting band's backline amp for guitar, but uh, you might be able to, to bring your own. And that's something you need to work out with the host ahead of time. Now, typically, you don't have a say in who you get paired up with. It's the proverbial box of chocolates. So you just got to do the best with what you get. And typically, you get about 20 minutes or three songs worth of stage time. Now, that usually doesn't include the uh, setup and teardown, but understand, <laughs> you'll be expected to set up and also to be off stage in five minutes or less. And if you take longer than that, that's probably going to come out of your time. So, you need to be ready when you're called and you need to be prepared to do that. Get set up, don't screw around, and when it's time to come off, get everything off stage as quick as possible. You can pack everything up once you're off stage, but get off stage as quick as possible because now you're impacting the next group of musicians, and they're not going to take kindly to it if you take 15 minutes to get off stage. What's the best way to prepare for an open mic? Well, um... We're going to get into uh, some specifics of uh, do's and don'ts in the interview segment, but just let me say up front that just like in every aspect of life, one can never be too prepared. So, have a bag in your car that has extra stuff that you might need. Extra batteries, extra cables, a backup tuner, fuses for your amp, just about anything that you or another musician, because trust me, you want to be the guy other musicians know they can count on, might need. So even if you don't have batteries in your rig, 
toss a couple in your bag. Okay, but understand anything in a live situation, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. I promise you, one of these times, you will hook everything up just like you have every other time. You'll uh, plug in, you'll play your first note, and no sound will come out. And now you got to troubleshoot in real time with a bunch of eyes on you. Everybody else is ready to go, and you're like, oh. So, um, you may want to practice this at home, right? Uh, you know, have, have somebody in your house sabotage your pedal board in some way and um, practice troubleshooting it. So, this is one that uh, I like to do. And that is uh, do a recon mission. So, the first time you show up for an open mic that you haven't been to before, don't bring anything with you. Don't go there with the intent to play. You're strictly there to observe. Look at how things operate. Identify who's running the show. If you're really smart, offer to buy them a drink. And when they have some downtime, talk to them about how things work. Be respectful of their time. As you will see, they've got their hands full. Find out if there's a sign-up sheet. Ask things like, can I bring my own amp, uh, if you're a guitar player. If you play something that requires a special setup, you know, keyboards, harmonica, uh, ask if that can be accommodated. When you finally do go to play, do yourself a favor and catch the host band's opening set. In other words, get there before they're scheduled to start playing. And I'll tell you why. It serves a couple of purposes. First, it guarantees that you'll be early on the sign-up sheet. I don't know about you, I'd rather play than not play, but if I had my druthers, I'd go up in the first couple of sets rather than have to sit around for two and a half hours and wind up playing to the three remaining barflies at the end of the night. It also gives you a feel for what volume you should be targeting. And it gives you an opportunity to reintroduce yourself to that showrunner you met last week. They'll remember you because you bought them a drink. Make sure that they know your name for when they call you. And, and this is important, let them know your experience level if they don't know you. This way, if you're a noob, they'll know that they need to pair you up with some more experienced players that can guide you. If you're an experienced musician, again, do yourself a favor here. Let them know that too, and let them know that you're not particular, and that if they need to pair you up with some newer players, you're fine with it. Make that offer the first few times you go out, and if there's a night, finally, when you want to sit at the adult table, well, you've earned the right to make that request now. Okay, you've paid your dues. Why do this? What's the appeal? Great question. I don't want to speculate on anyone's motivations. But for our listeners who want to give this a try, here are some things that you should consider. You are, potentially, joining a community. If you become a regular at one or more open mics, you're going to start to see the same people over and over again. And, you know, it's a world like any other. Some of them, probably most of them, are just going to come and go and not be much of an impact in your life. Some of them are not going to be fun to be around. 
I, uh, I was once at a friend of mine's open mic and, um, in the middle of my set, he brought up a new guitar player and I knew the minute this guy plugged in and started noodling that he was going to be a problem because he was warming up. He walked over to me and literally, I'm not making this up, lifted his guitar up and started noodling in my face. And every solo he did, he would walk over to me and solo at me. Now, in our interview, you're going to hear the phrase cutting heads. And that's what this guy was doing. Okay. He was treating this like it was a competitive sport. I'll tell you. Every time I ran into that guy after that, I did one of two things. I either told the host, don't bring me up with this guy. I won't come up with him. Or I just turned around and walked out because life's too short. You don't want to be that guy and you don't want to be around those guys. But here's the good news. Some of the people you run into are going to be wonderful and they're going to be a part of your life for a long time. Now, you should strive to be the person that people love to see walking in the door like Norm from Cheers. You should also strive to be the person everybody wants to be on stage with. That, by the way, means listening to what the other musicians are doing in a given song and finding the right way to complement it, as opposed to just doing your thing and ignoring what other people are doing. It also means sharing the limelight, and understanding that this isn't just your time to shine. Everybody up on that stage is there for the same reason. It's their time to shine too. And everybody deserves a piece of that. Open mics are an exercise in a completely different set of muscles than being a band member. Being part of an open mic, it's your improvisational skills that are really going to get flexed here. Because you never know what you're going to get, you're going to learn musical flexibility. There will be songs like Mustang's Alley, Proud Mary, Key to the Highway that are crowd favorites and you'll be expected to know because you're going to play them every time. In fact, you will play them so often that a little part of you will die every time you play them. But... Smile and get ready to rock like it's your favorite song every time it's called. Because it's an unpaid gig, but that's the gig. Check your attitude at the door. And then there will be songs you've never heard of. So you'll need to speak up and ask for the structure. Which means you're eventually going to need to know how musicians talk to each other on stage. You'll need to know... Things like the Nashville numbering system. You'll need to know turnarounds and endings. You'll need to know what a musician means when they say a song is a shuffle or a flat tire or a rumba or it's an 8-bar blues or it's a 12-bar blues or what a quick 4 is. Now, I know I probably scared some of you. Don't worry, you're not going to get kicked off stage for not knowing this stuff. But... You might as well start preparing yourself for it a little bit. And I'm going to have some um, in the episode description that can help you with some of this stuff. And I'm going to tell you right now, learning this or not learning this over time is going to have a direct bearing on your enjoyment of the stage experience. Finally, 
If you're up there and you're totally lost, don't be a drag on the rest of the group. If the rest of the group knows where they're going with this and you're the lone person that just doesn't be willing to turn the volume down and fake it or just graciously sit that one out, it is better than wrecking the experience for everyone else. Remember, it's not just your time to shine. It is everybody's time to shine. Yeah, here's a good one too. Playing on stage in front of an audience is very different than playing on the couch in your living room. Now, there's an old saying, rehearse the way you're going to perform. Now, I'm not saying you need to run out a hall to practice, but you are going to be standing erect with your amp behind you when you go to a jam. And it makes sense to practice that way. Because, trust me, you're going to have enough distractions up there without everything seeming alien. Okay, one last thing for you guitar players. Nothing is going to get you talked about more behind your back than being the guy that shows up with an aircraft carrier for a pedal board. This ain't Carnegie Hall, and even if it was, nobody, nobody needs 30 pedals at the same time. Show up with a small board. I have two tiny ones. They're, they're just tiny. They fit maybe maybe five pedals at most. I have one at my feet and I have one sitting on my amp for the ambient stuff, the stuff that's always on. You know, I uh, I don't like the reverb on, on my amp, so I have a, a reverb pedal. Um, I have a couple other little ambient effects that just are always there in the background. Very subtle, but a very intricate part of my sound. You'll sound great and you're going to get a whole different level of respect than you would if you showed up with that aircraft carrier. Okay, so that's all I really have for you. Well, it says here we're going to take a little break. But stick around, because when we return, I'll have my interview with my good friend Hooter and his list of jam session do's and don'ts. You won't want to miss that. See ya on the other side. we're back. You know, when I was thinking about this interview, I knew I wanted a list of jam session do's and don'ts. But more than that, I wanted you to understand this list from the perspective of someone who runs jams regularly. The better you understand how a host thinks, the better your experience will be when you get to the show. So, here's that interview. My guest this week is a terrific bass player, has toured with Mississippi blues legend Big Jack Johnson all over the U.S., Canada, Europe, and Israel. He recorded three CDs with Jack, which were nominated for five W.C. Handy Awards. He lived 11 years in Norway, bringing many U.S. artists to Scandinavia, including Phil Guy, Travis Haddocks, Johnny Rawls, Carlos Guitarlos, Johnny Marshall, Dan Granero, Glenn Terry, and two sons Frank Ace. He's the only remaining musician that I know personally who still holds weekly open mics here in the greater Phoenix area. They are well run and a lot of fun, both for musicians and fans of live music. If you are looking for an evening of fun musical improvisation, 
do yourself a favor and check out one of his open mics. Please welcome to the show my good friend and soon to be yours, Hooter. Good to be here, John. My first uh, podcast. <laughs> it's mine too, all right? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, anyway, listen, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, really appreciate it. As I mentioned in the intro, you run some great open mics here in the greater Phoenix area. So before we get into anything else, for our Phoenix locals who may be listening, where and when can people find you? Uh, I do a, uh, and again, uh, I like recording this jam sessions because open mics tend to be more of acoustic on plug things. But I do a jam session every Tuesday night at a Vietnamese restaurant in Scottsdale called O-P-H-O and then the word Cal, C-A-O, which is the owner's last name. Uh, and then every Wednesday night at a place called Blues, which is spelled B-L-O-O-Z-E. And that's at the uh, corner of 32nd and Cactus Phoenix. That's from 7 to 11. I'll uh, have this info, including the addresses, the dates, and the times, uh, in the episode description. So in preparation for this interview, I asked you to put together a list of do's and don'ts for people new to the jam scene. Before we get into that, I'd like to mention uh, a good friend to both of us the guy who introduced us, the late, great Buzz Fowler. I know the two of you were tight friends. Um, can we spend a couple of minutes acknowledging the impact Buzz had on the scene here in Phoenix, and if you're willing, his impact on you personally? Well, I first met Buzz. Uh, I moved here at the end of 2011, and the only place I had played out here you know, in the late 90s with Jack, and I remember the Rhythm Room. So I went to the Rhythm Room right at the beginning of 2012, and then met Bill Tarsha, who a lot of your, you know, of course, and some of your audience members will know. And then he told me about a place called Blues. And because uh, he happened to also be running a jam there. So I went there on a Sunday. And I met my uh, good friend and colleague, Gypsy, who I do Tuesday night with. And then she told me about a place called the El Dorado. So I went to the El Dorado, and lo and behold, that's when I first had Buzz. Um, but a lot of people don't know Buzz's real name was Jan, J-A-N. You know, Jan, Jan Fowler. And uh, I'm not quite sure we got the nickname Buzz, but uh, he was a great harmonica player, uh, a really good, good jam host. Uh, I mean, I, I felt welcome right from the get-go. And it took me a while. It took me about a year, year and a half to work myself into being one of the regular Wednesday night bass players in the house band. And then eventually, uh, you know, he offered me a slot full-time. And uh, we were together against the Eldo probably for about three years. And then uh, we also opened up a jam on Thursdays at Steel Horse Saloon, which is a biker bar, which is no longer there. That went down because of COVID. And so we would do uh, two jams a week. What I was also doing the Wednesday, the Tuesday night with the Gypsy and Focal. And uh, Buzz just had a way about him. You know, I called him the, the master of Facebook. He was always on the computer, always doing something with Facebook, making connections. And I sort of do the same thing, but I do it more with text messages. And some Facebook, and um, Buzz just had a, 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 a knack for uh, introducing people to each other. Uh, you know, putting together really good combinations on stage, uh, as far as musically, and uh, just you know, making you feel like you were really welcome there, and that you know, this was something that he really valued. Yeah, Buzz was a great guy. I uh, uh, I met him. Uh, I was I was uh, part of uh, Blind Ronnie's uh, House of Blues. And we were doing a, an open mic at um, 
uh, the TGI Fridays on um, Frank Lloyd oh, Wright. Frank Lloyd yeah, Wright. there we go. Right. So yeah, so we were doing an open mic uh, for TGI Fridays uh, on Frank Lloyd Wright, and uh, he started coming there. And uh, boy, I'll tell you, you know, he just had a smile that could light up a room. Uh, I, I miss him uh, a lot. Okay, so let's get into your list of do's and don'ts of participating in a jam. What do you got for me? Okay, well, the first one, and I'm sure you can relate to this, and anybody who's ever uh, run a jam, Joe Mike uh, will, will certainly agree, you must keep the volume down. I can't tell you the number of times that, you know, people get on stage and it's not necessarily even inexperienced players or, you know, uh, people who don't have that much stage time because even with more accomplished players. Okay. The person, of course, that ends up hearing it from the club and the uh, crowd is, in this case, yours truly, being the jam host. And nothing will, like, keep people from coming back or maybe staying later on a given night than if the volume is too loud time especially because it tends to be way too loud and i say this with young musicians i say we have a motto uh tips t-i-p-s not that other word people might think tips up volume down <laughs> that, that's the best way to describe it and sometimes especially the young guys they think i'm picking on them I say, Man, no, I say this to everybody and after they've been on stage a little bit and they come out uh, hopefully you know fairly regularly they, they understand where and sometimes they even will say it to other musicians on stage. When I'm not up there, they'll they'll do the motion to tell them to turn down, or they'll actually say on the mic, you're too loud, or this or that. So it's good to know that my impact is uh, felt sometimes a little more than maybe I realize. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I uh, one thing I know from experience is that y- you never seem, y- you never feel like you're the one that's too loud. But when somebody tells you too loud, believe them. You right. know, uh, j- just... Don't argue with it. Believe them. The other thing is, this is a little pro tip. Make sure your amp isn't pointed at the bartender. Right. You know, you want to you have that pointed away from the bartender because the bartenders really determine who comes back, you know? Exactly. And uh, if they can't hear the drink orders, they will complain to the owner and that'll be that. That's it. What, do you, what else have you got for me, bud? Okay, another one is you must spend some money. Okay, we, we need jammers, of course, and, you know, everyone's welcome, and not everybody does like and drink alcohol, but uh, even if you have to, you know, buy a, spend money on, like, club soda or something, or, of course, if it's a restaurant, buy some food, because there's one sound that I'm sure you'll uh, agree with that's louder than any other sound, no matter how loud the band is. That's the sound of the cash register. <laughs> oh, wait, there is no sound except got something called a number at the end of the night the club owner sees the number if there's not enough the number's not high enough for what they think it should be in relation to what they're paying you and, and the amount of people they have to hire and so forth then that's another reason why they're not going to so you must spend some money absolutely true uh, yeah uh, another biggie uh, don't argue with me which people will sometimes do if they don't like you know like they say well am I going to go up soon I say yes well, who am I going to go up with? And I'm, you know, of course, I have a sign-up sheet. And that was well, another one while I'm thinking of it. Uh, people sometimes will come in, even if and then we know them, and they just forget to sign up or they don't think they need to sign up. We do have a sign-up sheet. The actual sign-up sheet that we use is exactly the same one that Buzz used. 
And, you know, it just has your name, what instrument you play. And it makes it a lot easier for me because I want to make sure that basically the order that people come in is that the order they go on stage. And sometimes if somebody doesn't sign up and then somebody else comes in after that, okay, and they sign up, and then I get the person that came in later because their name is on the list, then the person who hasn't signed up says, how come I'm not up there? Oh, because you didn't sign the sign-up sheet. And, you know, I mean, I can't keep track of everybody, especially when it's a really good crowd. And remember the exact order that you came in. So that's very important is, you know, make sure that you sign up on the sign-up sheet as soon as you get there. Uh, but also getting back to the other point, sometimes if people don't like uh, who I'm going to get them up there with, they start arguing with me. Well, you know, uh, I don't want to go up with this guy, get me up with this guy, and, and so forth. And I said, I'm sorry, but, you know, I, I, I'm running a jam. Uh, you know, I'm aware of everyone, if, unless it's somebody I've never seen before, but, you know, I'm, I'm pretty aware of everyone's talent level. And, of course, that's part of the point is that you don't necessarily always have to get accomplished players all at the same time. You know, you want to get some, you know, guys like you or me that, you know, are willing to try to help, especially younger musicians, the guys who starting to try to give them a little, a little bit of advice here or there. Okay, but... You know, and then sometimes also they'll start arguing on stage with other musicians uh, in between songs or even uh, I, I've seen this happen numerous times where somebody will, you know, like make a, a gesture, you know, and they're not like you're doing something I've seen, but they're obviously not happy with what somebody's doing in a solo or the vocals or this or that. And they'll make the displeasure known to the other the person who they're directing it towards. But of course, we can all see what's going on on stage. And that just creates a negative vibe. And that's another reason why people will not come back, you know, no matter how, how much they may like me or they may like the place. If they have an experience where they feel like they're being uh, talked down to or, you know, uh, they're being active, the person is condescending for them. That's another big no-no. You know, I, I really try to keep the, the vibe positive, and I want everyone to feel like they're welcome. Um, another thing. Uh, don't ask me or other musicians what key you want to do the song, assuming that you're the singer, but even even instrumental, because it doesn't matter. You know, like, for instance, uh, Mustang Sally is generally, uh, you know, done in the key of A. So, I mean, we can do it in that key. We can do it in the key of D. We can do it whatever key. But if, if we do the key that the song is originally in and that doesn't fit your voice, it's not going to work. And you may be a very good singer. But if it's not the right key for your voice, then, you know, we, we, we need to know. So it's really important. You should work all this out at home. Know what key you want to sing the song in. And then just tell us. And it's usually no problem. We can pretty much adapt to any key on the spot. So that, that's definitely a big one. Um, also, tuning. Make sure, especially as not only guitar players, but tends to be guitar players or sometimes horn players, you know, trumpet sax. Make sure you tune before you get on stage. I can't tell you the number of times that people will be up there, they're, they're trying to tune up, uh, you know, they're, they're doing all these other things, and then by the time they're ready to play, then 10 minutes or 15 minutes has elapsed. And then, you know, that's normally 15 minutes about what I'm going to give them for, you know, their part of the jam. And then the problem is, of course, there's only so much time. And then when I get down near the end, then there's still people who haven't gone up. Then I have to... Uh, Try to get a lot of people on stage. Uh, that, that's that's another point. Uh, I understand that ideally we would only have like maybe two guitar players, uh, bass, drums, keyboard, whatever the horn is, 
that when I get jammed up on time because people take too long to be in tune up or get themselves set up, then all of a sudden I have to get three and hopefully not as many as four guitar players yeah. at one time. In the Leonard Skinner. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's no problem for me. The biggest problem is, again, you have to listen. People don't listen, and they're all trying to compete with each other. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the term head cutting. And Ugh. it's funny because I've seen guys like Clapton and some of the all-time greats uh, say that, you know, when they're on stage with other musicians, it's not a head cut cutting competition. Everybody has something to offer. And, you know, if, if for some reason, if your, your solo needs work, you know, I would tend to talk to somebody off stage or come up with a few, few suggestions. But again, it's not a competition up there. It's a collaboration. And, exactly. and, and too many musicians don't get that. Uh, another, another thing, uh, while you were talking, it came to my mind is like, especially this is tends to be more with drummers, but they'll, they'll come up and they'll start, you know, messing around with the cymbals and this or that. Okay. Unless you're, you know, a right-handed drummer and the kid is set up for left-handed or vice versa, you need to make a minimal amount of adjustments, uh, not only in the drums, but, you know, we usually have a house amp you're welcome to use amp uh you know you can bring your own pedals but uh you know you have to respect the fact that if it's not your equipment if you're using the house band's drums or bass amp in my case or guitar amp or whatever it happens to be you have to treat it as if it's your amp or your equipment and you know don't don't, don't abuse the privilege i've seen guys sometimes like really uh crank it up on the volume with the amp to the point where it's like distorting or they'll they'll uh, mess around with the drum set and they'll they'll sometimes uh, they'll crack a cymbal or I mean it doesn't happen a lot but it happens occasionally and you know uh, we, we we try to provide equipment and you know you're welcome to do what you want with it you must respect other people's equipment that's definitely a big one also yeah you know I, I, one thing I just want to add to that is house equipment is not a chair and house equipment is not a coffee table all right, don't set your beer on my amp. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yes, that's absolutely a no-no. Yeah. Okay, anyway, go ahead. I'll even know, to be honest with you, sometimes guys will do it on their own amp, and I say to them, dude, you don't, you don't want to be that violent there. Trust me. Yep. And uh, so, you know, like I said, uh, so that's definitely a big one. Um, another thing, too, is that um, I hear this sometimes, and this is probably for both jams, and open mics where people say, well, you know, it's the same guy showing up every week doing the same song and this and that. Okay, there is that aspect to it, but also it's, uh, in my opinion, there's no better way to meet and network with other musicians than in person. I mean, you can answer ads um, in uh, Craigslist or whatever, but of course at some point you have to meet. And to me, there, there's no better way to uh, see if the chemistry is right. And even if it's not somebody that you had set up previously had a meeting with, uh, that's the best way to, to meet people and make connections. And that's what worked for me because when I moved here, you know, being in 2012, I hadn't been here in like 11, 12 years. And Bob Cortor, of course, we both know from the Rhythm Room, uh, who also has his radio show. I mean, he knew who I was because he and I played out here with Jack and his club. But I pretty much started from scratch. And it took me a good year, year and a half even with all my experience uh, and credentials and so forth, to really get myself established out here to the point where now I started to have people call me, and then I worked my way into the house band with Buzz and with other lineups. So 
uh, I, I think that the um, networking aspect to jam session just you can't compete with it uh, with anything on the internet or whatever other way you want to communicate with musicians. And that's like a really, really. It's also for me. It's it's a big thing, social part of my life. Yeah. Because I, unless unless I'm playing music, I mean, it's pretty much the only time I leave my house is when I'm either doing a gig or I'm going to host a jam session. And sometimes, of course, I even go to other people's jam sessions. That's a very, very important aspect is the whole networking and social aspect of going to jams. Yeah, I've made a lot of great friends uh, here in the Valley thanks to Blind Ronnie approaching me uh, the second time I went to his open mic and saying, hey, you know, I'm going to be retooling the band. Uh, would you like to be a part of it? And I remember sitting down with my wife and saying, honey, if I were you, I would say no, but I've been invited to play in this band. Um, um, I said, it's going to take up some some of my time. And she was like, oh, no, you'd, you'd love to do it. Go ahead and do it. And of course, you know, three months later, she's like, quit that thing. <laughs> but but, um, but that's a different, that's wow. a story for another day. But anyway, um, th- thanks to uh, to my good friend, Blind Ronnie, who, uh, who got me into his band. Uh, and then we did that open mic over at TGI Fridays. And for about a year and a half, man, we were the kings of Thursday night here in the Valley. And, uh, and uh, you know, we, we just had such a good time doing it. And I met so many musicians here in the Valley. Um, you know, it's it's just been fabulous. Ronnie was actually out at Focava three weeks ago. Oh, man, how's he doing? I haven't talked to him in forever. He looks the same. And, you know, of course, you know, uh, uh, he, he still plays great. And, uh, you know, you can also sing, and he's a really nice guy. I see Ronnie maybe like four or five times a year. Yeah. Either at Faux or Blues. Once in a while, he'll come out to both in the same week. But like I said, he's a great guy. I just thought of that because uh, I, I saw him, like I said, about three weeks ago. Yeah, I love that guy. Um, anything else for us? Well, basically, you know, it's sort of like the golden rule. It's like, you know, you want to treat, you want to be treated at the jams. You want to treat others the same way you want to be treated. Yeah, and respect goes a long way for me. With me, and you know, you can always learn something. And, you know, if somebody wants to make a suggestion to me, whether it's not even musically or just about, you know, how can you do? You could do this a little differently, you know, to make the jam better or whatever it is. You know, I might not agree with them, but I'm always willing to listen. And you have to be able to take constructive criticism, and you also have to be able to give criticism, especially to younger or new or newer guys without being condescending, but, you know, getting your point across. Yeah. So it's like anything else. Uh, like, uh, you know, you, you have to just treat people nicely and you know, treat them the way you want to be treated. And because, uh, of course, the thing is, you know, uh, and also sometimes people go a little overboard with the alcohol. And <laughs> uh, it can get a little messy. But uh, I don't. we don't need to go down that road. Yeah. Well, listen, man, this has been terrific. Thanks so much for pulling all of that together. Um, before I sign off with you, uh, do you have any advice for our seniors uh, who maybe have never played at an open mic or a jam before, or maybe even have never played in front of an audience before? Right. Uh, the biggest thing is one of the things I said at the beginning. Uh, if you're if you're a singer, okay, you must you must know what key you want to do, and don't ask us because it doesn't matter to us. And it's not the key you can sing in, but also uh, tune up uh, before you get on stage. Uh, if you get there early enough, I encourage 
guitar players to set their amps up ahead of time. Um, the biggest thing is just like I said, um, you know, treat it as a you know social and a, a musical opportunity and network, and spend money. You must spend money because yeah. these clubs and bars have to make a profit, or they're not going to keep doing it. No matter how many people show up, if they're not spending money, then it's it's not going to last long. Yep. Yeah. You know, I'm such a wonk. This will show you what a nerd I am. Okay. I actually practice um, setting up and tearing down my amp in preparation for going to an open mic so that I can right. set up and tear down in five minutes. Okay. Yeah, that's um, a very good, very good piece of advice. And, uh, and I would encourage our listeners who are thinking about this, practice that because a host will give you five minutes, but when you start taking 10 minutes, Okay, right. that's coming out of your stage time, pal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. One other thing now, I'm just thinking about it. This is, tends to be with pretty much harmonica players because, of course, they all have their own mic. When you're a harmonica player and you're not experienced, okay, you need to keep, keep the volume on your mic low and gradually turn it up so you get comfortable with the whole thing. I can't tell you the number of times uh, guys will come up there, harmonica players, and, and they'll start getting feedback. That's another thing that will empty a bar quicker than anything in the world. Feedback. <laughs> yeah, I always yeah, give no people. I, I I wear earplugs just because of so many years of being in bands and yeah. situations where it's loud. And I, I always give people. I said, please try to get your volume and your feedback under control. I'd like to have a little hearing left before I take the big third nap. <laughs> All right. On that note, thank you again so much for uh, helping keep uh, live music alive here in Phoenix and for providing a forum for guys like me who uh, need to clean our claws every so often. Take care of yourself, buddy. It was so good catching up with you, and I hope to see you soon. Likewise, man. Great seeing you again. Yep. All right. we're back. So one last note on open mics before we wrap this up. I'm uh, sure if you're interested in giving this a try, you're wondering how you can find a jam session near you. Well, I wish I had better guidance for you than this, but the truth is reliable sources for this information may or may not be available in your area. Uh, There is no national database of open mics, uh, at least not a comprehensive one. Um, so I have some resources, uh, that you can try. We all figure this out in one way, shape or form. So, uh, trust that you're going to be able to do it, but, uh, here's the best I can do for you. Your first source, Google or whatever search engine you want to use. Uh, try searching for open mics near me. Yeah, it's uh, real sophisticated. There's a site called Evanbrite, E-V-E-N-B-R-I-T-E. Evanbrite is an event management site, and there you have the ability to search by keyword and location. Sometimes that yields some decent results. Try reaching out to your local blues society. Uh, Most major cities have one, and they usually know where the jams are. And while you're there, shoot them a couple of bucks. They need it. 
Uh, classified sites and local entertainment magazines. Okay, this one's more of a Hail Mary, but, uh, you know, if nothing else worked, give this a try. Uh, so with all of these, once you get a recommendation, contact the venue first before going out there. The internet tells you what was, not always what is. Jams get canceled, venues become unavailable on a given night for parties, etc. So, uh, check before you go. There is nothing worse than carting your equipment in through the front door to a mostly empty room and having folks look at you like you just stepped out of your spacecraft. Hey John, if I may interrupt for a moment, I think I can prove the point you just made about how quickly the jam scene can change. Between the time you recorded your interview with Hooter and the time this episode was in post-production, Hooter's jam at Focal was cancelled and he opened two new ones. There is a new jam every Monday night from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. at the Starlight Lounge, 4346 West Olive Avenue in Glendale, Arizona. Their phone number is 623-934-9910. And while the faux cow gig is no more, beginning October 3rd, the jam will start back up again at El Dorado Bar and Grill, 8708 East McDowell Road in Scottsdale, Arizona. Their phone number is 480-945-2606. This jam will be held every Tuesday night from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. All of this information can be found in the episode notes or by finding the episode on the episodes page at www.retiredeverafter.com. So, um, that's all I have for you. Thank you very much for tuning in. Guy, play the music and take us home. Alright folks, that wraps up our episode on participating in open mics. If you missed anything or want to delve deeper, be sure to revisit this episode. Also be sure to check out Hooter's list of jam session do's and don'ts, as well as John's helpful links in the episode description. A big thank you to today's guest, Hooter. And thank you all so much for joining us today and being a part of our retired Ever After community. We appreciate every single listener. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a review. It really helps others discover the show. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. For show notes, additional resources, and links mentioned in today's episode, visit our website at www.retiredeverafter.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's episode, as well as any suggestions for future episode topics. You can reach us at www.retiredeverafter.com or via email at the show at retiredeverafter.com. A big thanks to the sponsors of today's episode for supporting us. And a shout out to our production team, which is basically all John, for making this possible. Music for this episode was provided by Chicago Johnny Vegas. Virtual co-host was licensed to Retired Ever After by Solve for IT. Until next time, I'm Guy the AI, and this has been Retired Ever After. Remember, fun is your best retirement plan.